The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Mm. All right, man, let's get in there. Let's get in there. Uh, I didn't realize we had made this name official, but this is Talking Knots. Welcome back to Talking Knots with the Pride of Detroit crew, prideofdetroit.com, Pride of Detroit on Twitter, Pride of Detroit on Facebook, live on twitch.tv slash Pride of Detroit. I'm Christopher Fett, the Chad Hardwick of this uh, <laughs> esteemed panel here. With me, as always, Jeremy Reisman, the fearless leader at Detroit Online. I'm at, at Christopher Fett, P E R F E T T. Ryan Matthews, rock God at Ryan underscore P-O-D. And um, I guess we should just start as I think this should become custom. What was your favorite quote from this? Ep- Before we get into anything else, what was your favorite quote from this episode? Just one. one. Oh, man. It's so many. But since I'm holding this glass of water, I'll have to say that, you know, that makes me a soft person because whatever happened to drink and spit? Such a soy boy. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I almost want to say mine was, if we're going to keep it on John Brown, it was, has Kevin Durant ever done a calf raise? <laughs> uh, what was the last time Kevin Durant did a calf raise? Which uh, I, I don't know if Kevin Durant's watching, but I hope he is. He'll but, uh, he'll find it. <laughs> but I feel like I feel like the quote that everyone's going to take away from this, <clears throat> and we'll see how long it lasts, is uh, fucking fun, fucking funches bunches of oats. <laughs> Classic. It is a good one. Just, that's just Dan Campbell, like, uh, like just, just out there. Just the, just the first thing that comes into his mind goes out uh, yeah. out of his mouth because that's who Dan Campbell is. I don't even know if it was my favorite Dan Campbell quote from the episode, though. I loved "I'd kiss you if you weren't breathing so hard." Talking about <laughs> Josh Reynolds. Well, this this episode started very horny. Between that and the short, my wife had short shorts like that. Um, I was going to also say uh, "fudge and golly." from David Blau are very good quotes too. Yep. Yep. Good stuff. We're not going to do a whole list cast of just quotes. We're here to talk about the rest of hard knocks episode two now on HBO max and HBO and all the places where we've just watched it in the United States. I know I've heard from plenty of people the past week that abroad, it comes on different times on different services, apparently. So it's all kind of messy. If you are an international Lions fan, uh, thank you for checking us out when you check us out. And 
Jeremy, Ryan, let's just get right into it. Uh, the biggest stories from this one. I think we were talking about it a little bit before the after show, the pre the uh, the pre-production to the after show. And I'm a little torn on where the biggest story is, but I think the big one that's getting everyone hyped right now is Rodrigo. He was the vein yeah. that kind of led through this entire show. Malcolm Rodriguez, the as Calvin Shepard reminded <clears throat> us of the round he went in. It was not it was, it was late. Six, six, six round. round, six round. And he got Rodrigo got lots of hype. Man, so last last week, I, you know, we were talking about what I wanted to see in this week's episode, and it was the play, the coaches talking about the players in the meeting rooms. And the reasoning be- behind that is because we don't know how truth telling some of the coaches are sometimes. And and with a player like Malcolm Rodriguez, you, you kind of got a sense maybe everything was getting a little bit overhyped. Like we saw it in practice. We saw it in, in the games. We we heard in, in the spring, um, Kelvin Shepard saying that Malcolm Rodriguez is one of the smartest players he's ever been around, young players that he's ever been around. And you're just, you, you have to like think back to yourself. Like, are we, are we overhyping this guy? Is this a little bit too much? And then you see behind the closed doors, what they're really saying about this guy. We're not overhyping him. Like this hype is real. This guy very much has a chance to, I'm just going to say it right now, start in week one. I'm going to put that out there. I think that's a distinct possibility because when you have Kelvin Shepard saying this, I'm fucking sick of saying this about a rookie. What do you all want me to do? Put him out there first? Cause that's what's about to happen. Guess what? That's already happened. This ain't nothing against you, Rodriguez. Matter of fact, you're fucking playing your ass off, dude. It's, but it's a rookie who I'm doing everything I can not to put out here first. That dude has earned his way into the starting lineup. He's the, the best linebacker that some Lions coach has ever seen in five years. Like this dude is getting hyped and, and deservedly so. And man, I don't know what to say other than I think this guy might start week one. Yeah, I mean, the one of the most telling comments, too, was Kelvin Shepard talking about like not seeing a linebacker stack and shed like that in five years. Yeah, like uh, I, I think what's so interesting, too, about that positional meeting with the linebackers was how stark it was in contrast. I feel like to do Staley and and I know we'll, we'll get to that in a little bit, but like, I think what really stood out about this interaction was this is a room that's like full of a lot of veteran players, right? Like, mm-hmm. and that's the, that's the point of Shep, uh, of, you know, of Shep's message is like, dude, this is a six round guy who's coming in and taking your lunch money. Like you're going to let him do this. Like this is not only Kelvin Shepard heaping praise on Malcolm Rodriguez, but it's like, oh, never knows how. Yeah. I mean, it's one of those things where it's like, Hey, how else am I going to motivate you guys other than this, this rookie that came in and was salsaing a couple weeks ago? Like, I mean, you're going to let him take your job. And the funny and I've never seen someone like Malcolm, uh, like Malcolm Rodriguez, who is just wanting to ev- vanish from that room while he's receiving that praise. Oh, like, I would he was not trying, want to be Malcolm he was Rodriguez trying to disappear into his hoodie <laughs> during that scene because he knows what that does, putting him at odds with the rest of that room, which I, I, but again, like those guys need that fire. It's it's always it's a recurring story. It's one of the favorites on Hard Knocks, the rookie coming in to take lunch money, as you put it, Ryan. And this one was delivered very, very well. And again, it, it's delivered very well because, as Jeremy said, it's already happening. And we got to see like it got backed up in preseason game one as well, which yeah. the second half of, of this episode dealt with preseason game one. 
Right. And yeah, and, and that's, you know, we mentioned it briefly in our in our preseason recap, but <laughs> Malcolm Rodriguez was one of the few of the defenders that I thought actually played pretty well out there with the ones. Um, but I, but like the moment that kind of gave me chills was before the meeting room is where he just pulled him aside on the sideline during practice. He says, this year can be whatever you want it to be. Everything's open for you right now. You got me. You just got to take it and do it. Like that's him telling him you you can start. You could do more than start. You could have a special rookie season. And like, again, I don't know how, I don't know how to pull myself back at this point because like, it's a little too real. If it's, it's too, it's very real. And I'm usually the guy that's like day three, don't expect too much of these guys, but I'm, I'm all, all aboard the Malcolm Rodriguez hype train. Like I think, yeah, I, I think, I think this guy's going somewhere. I think it's a combination of his actual talent and just how bad the rest of the linebackers are right now. There's definitely and a little bit of that sprinkled in, but, yes. but, but he's, but I mean, when you're heaping praise and I know lines haven't had good linebackers in five years, but that sort of praise isn't just normal. Like, Hey, everyone else sucks. Like these linebackers. Oh, yeah, no, that's, that's your special talent. Yeah, I, I don't think Kelvin Shepard has any uh, I don't think he has any motivation just to blow smoke for the sake of having, a, you know, a quote unquote, like dearth of talent at the linebacker room. You know what I mean? Like he's not going to praise some sixth round rookie just to make a bunch of other guys feel like they need to step up. Yeah, right. And you it's don't want to do that with a rookie either, right? No, like you don't want to overpraise <laughs> no, a rookie. No. <laughs> yeah. I mean, could it's their heads be any, b- head. any bigger than that guardian cap? Exactly. <laughs> right. Any bigger than the fish they caught that Frank Rag now caught. Good call. It's a very big fish. And we finally got our shots in at Detroit on the, uh, the lions because uh, plenty of good stuff. But uh, what, what was the, uh, what was that thing they showed? It was like the dance number Ryan at the start. It's like, we got the lions. We just hope they're trying. <laughs> yeah, it was. Yeah, that <laughs> this, this I, knew, I knew that montage was coming. Yeah, it was just a matter of time. It was when yeah. this this episode did get a little hokey with with some of its Detroit imagery. And like, I don't know, like they had that weird montage of like, all right, players say what Detroit means to you before the preseason game. Like, OK, you don't yeah. you don't need to do this. We're good. We're good. Uh, the second storyline, and I think the one that I, I know Jeremy was most interested in, and we got to see a lot of it. And I, I, it's not what I would say my second one is because I, I, I knew what mine is. But uh, Deuce Staley and DeAndre Swift in relation between the two. I think the one thing we're not really getting, we're getting a lot of Deuce, but DeAndre Swift himself is not mic'd up for a lot of these. So we're only getting like how Deuce feels about Swift. I'm curious what Swift feels about Deuce and how they do it. But we can tell from all these clips that Deuce Staley is pushing DeAndre Swift to be more aggressive, especially during, uh, was it the scrimmage game? Or I believe he was like, you know, stay in bounds. You could have scored there, you know, yeah. like trying to get him to cut back inside rather than trying to go out of bounds to be more aggressive, to really push that, for, for that was the first yards. preseason game. Yeah. That was the preseason game. They should, cause I know they mm-hmm. showed it pretty early. So I'm, yeah. Well, the, yeah, the stiff arm, where you asked him to do a stiff arm, that was the scrimmage game. That was yes, the scrimmage game. Was, scrimmage when game, when yes. he wanted him to go inside, yes, that, was that was against the Falcons. That yeah. was a preseason, correct. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, a lot of tough love in this episode, right? There's a lot of Deuce Daily tough love. And it's interesting to see that dynamic because it does feel like a lot of what DeAndre Swift is struggling to do to get to that next level is mental, right? Um, it, it's It's reading wrong reads it's maybe not having the confidence and obviously there's the injury aspect of it as well but you could really see 
Deuce Daly working the psychology of of DeAndre Swift this entire episode. I thought it was fascinating because that whole like speech he gave to the coaching room is just like, I need to get him to believe that he is the best player out there on the field because I know that he is. I just don't think he knows that it is yet. And so it, it's it's fascinating to me to to see that part and then to see the in-game coaching when he misses that that really on the first two runs of that first opening drive, he misses the hole and he pulls him out. Like that that wasn't just a hey, let's share the load between Swift and and Jamal. That was you messed up. I need to pull you aside and tell you what you did wrong. And to me, the most promising part of that scene is that after Swift goes down and scores a touchdown, he beelines for to deuce and is like, all right, tell me what I did wrong. He doesn't, he doesn't care about the touchdown. He doesn't care about celebrating. Like he wants to go and back, look at the film, look at his little Microsoft tablet and see what he did wrong. And like the disappointment on his face when he saw the, when they switched scenes and, and he saw the big hole that he had missed, like, to me, that's good coaching. Like that's him really, really caring and and putting in the extra effort and all that sort of stuff. And I don't know if it, if if he takes that extra step. I do feel like this kind of there's been this mental block in the first two years of his career that has held him back. But man, Deuce Staley is a guy that I trust to do everything in his damn power to to really pull it out of him. And I know Deuce, like as as Chris alluded to, you know, he he keeps on reiterating not only in the coaching room but when they get into the positional meeting he just keeps on telling him like dude you're special yeah and i think it was in the coaches meeting when he's like i've been around some guys that are good in space he's like the special ones and he's like he's got it and that's what i meant in it i I think that scene stood in such stark contrast to the scene scene with uh shepherd and the linebackers because this is not a coach that's um you know elevating a rookie uh, you know, challenging the rest of the position group to, to step up. He's like talking to the, like the guy, like this is supposed to be the star of the backfield. And he's like, you have to believe that you're as good as I know you are. And, and, and that's why, you know, it, it's just, I, I think that there's a lot of very honest and transparent communication that goes on between these coaches and, and the players. And this was the first episode that we really got to see it because like you said, Jeremy, this is what we were waiting for, you know, positional meetings. I think when we talk about, when we talk about like what's different with this coaching staff and we talk about, you know, I, I, I've always been the big proponent of if this works, this will be very good for the NFL because it will open the door to more consideration for former players in larger coaching roles, not just positional coaching roles, but former NFL players to be considered for assistant head coach and more for head, the full on head coach like Dan Campbell and Mike Vrabel. It, and it's things like that. And I think the thing that that really stood out to me is just I. I don't know many coaches who are like that, who like, I know some guys that everyone's trying to get the most out of a player, but to be that honest with them and saying like, I know you can do like, I know you are as like, you are one of the best I've seen do this, that, and the other thing. And also just pushing them as hard as hell like that to get what they think they have in that guy out of them. It's a combination of, again, a veteran like a veteran player on that field trying to, you know, in that locker room, trying to smack up the rookie and get him, show him what he knows, but also like the combination of that with being the coach who sees everything in the tape and is able to, you know, mentor him that way. It's, it's, it's very, it's very fascinating. It's a very fascinating dynamic. 
no question no question just just uh, yeah i think you, you mentioned there just the the honesty of it all it, it's all about and and this even goes back to just dan campbell and who he is as a person just everyone is being them their honest selves and not taking anything personally and they're not you know when they when they criticize they're not trying to be demeaning in any sort of way they're just trying to be honest and not in a way that like you know comedians say oh i'm, I'm just being honest and you know telling horrible demeaning jokes like they're just being out there telling them like it is and and hoping that players take it the right way. And you, you can see Deuce being somewhat delicate around Swift. You know, he's not he's not screaming at the guy, but he's being very direct with him, too. And and I don't know, like, I don't know how Swift was with the previous regime. I can't imagine it was great because most players weren't great with the previous regime. But I <laughs> I do feel like I, I see him engaged. I do feel like I see him listening and, you know, he had one really good inside run right after they threw him back out there on the field. So I I think I think it's working, but obviously we still have a, a long ways to go to see if 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 it really clicks with him. And now we get into probably, probably my favorite part, the part I've been waiting for unabashedly. And it uh, kicked up right away, Ryan, as Amon Ra St. Brown gave, went out there and did his favorite party trick, name all 16 players who got drafted before him in the 2021 NFL draft and the schools they went to just right, right. And demanded right away. The St. Brown family, we uh, got a little bit of a taste of it. I think John Brown's going to continue to be a character. He stole the show, man. I he mean, stole the show. He, uh, he, he took a shot, Ryan, at Kevin Durant right away too. Just random, just random out of the blue. Yeah. I I'm, I'm pretty much looking forward to the first thing in the morning being checking my phone and I'm going to turn notifications on for Kevin Durant's tweets. <laughs> um, so maybe something will pop up, but I, I mean, I agree with Jeremy, like he stole the show, whether it was the, the, the quibble that he made over the Hutchinson sitting in their $20 million <laughs> private box, or it was, you know, that was the being, best one in my being excited for Rodrigo, the six round pick and, yeah, I mean, wearing it, the com- wearing the combination Bears Lions jersey no, for no. him and stock down, stock down out on that. Yeah, but I mean, obviously the the quotes with the with with the weightlifting and the bodybuilding and yeah, they I were mean, they were in a Gold's gym and he uh, it must have been like a Gold's gym or an old school gym and he had on a leather belt, man, notched tight. Just footage of. Um, <laughs> Amon Ross St. Brown lifting while he was in middle school uh, was, was interesting. Something I didn't know that I would see on hard going out and getting the jugs machine. As soon as he heard, he could like, that's, that's a good dad there. Just to me, it's like, Hey, how'd you, how'd you do it? 200, 200 catches a day with the jugs machine. Okay. Well, that's, that's Amon Ra's life there is the jugs machine now. I mean, it's so easy to see where Amon Ra became the person that he is, right? <laughs> Just having, like, it was inevitable to become who he did with John Brown, the character, the the over-the-top manly dude that, that John Brown is. I mean, you say over-the-top, but the man was a Mr. Universe. Like, I don't well, know that, if there that is That is the top. definition of over-the-top <laughs> manly dude, is being Mr. Universe. My, my only question is, like, why haven't the other St. Brown boys, like, why, why haven't they amounted to as much as Amon Ra has? Because, I mean, they clearly have all... <laughs> They've all been raised by a two-time Mr. Universe. And uh, I mean, even uh, Equinemius was in was in the uh, shots today that Hard Knocks had. So, oh, yeah, and I'm sure cool uh, the family who's the third one. Osiris. Is he still I think he's still at Stanford right now. Sure. 
So we haven't seen him get drafted yet, but uh, that's a football family. But yeah, no, St. Brown has probably had the most electric season in the pros so far. Not going to lie. No question. Uh, uh, I think, I think the, uh, I think the, the nice thing was just kind of, it, it'll be interesting. They didn't really get to focus too much on the fall apart of the preseason game. We got a little bit of, you know, the things from Blau's perspective, which by the way, Blau kind of unnerves me a little bit by his insistence on not to cuss, but considering F-bombs are dropping Fudge. like 50, t- F-bombs are dropping 50 times a minute out of Dan Campbell's mouth. And here's David Blau going golly and fudge <laughs> after dropping the football. Like it's uh, a Christmas story. Yeah, and Christian boy. Yeah, I know. I know. But uh, I, I did feel a little bit bad for Blau. That that was yeah, some oh. heartbreaking stuff there. Watching him golf comfort him at the end and everything. Was, not, uh, I, yeah, I mean, it's not just that. It's it's also watching it from from his wife's perspective, right? Like well, mm-hmm. from from um, Melissa. I mean, it it it's always a, a nice reminder of how human this is because I know I know a lot of Lions fans are really frustrated, which to me is in the first place silly because it's a preseason game and David Blau was the third string quarterback of the day, so not a big deal if he loses the football game for you. Also, the Lions had a fourth and nine, so it's not completely his fault. But this this sure this episode sure did make it look like it was only his fault. I mean, it's 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 the old it's the old Jim McKay line, right? I, I way before all of our times, which you know, wide world of sports, the thrill of victory, the agony of defeat. That was the agony yeah. all over his face at yeah. that point. It, it's and I, I hate seeing that. that kind of agony. I just do. Especially like, especially when us that that sat here and, and watched the entire game was like David Blau actually played pretty darn well that entire game outside of that one moment. Meanwhile. We don't, the only thing we see from Tim Boyle is him going freaking dime. Yeah. Like, dimer. 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 <laughs> like, well, okay. Well, he threw a pick and it was much worse. Um, so it, it, it was tough to see that, but I mean, that's, that's what hard knocks does, right? It, 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 mm-hmm. it provides the human element to this show and it's important to see like that was a devastating moment for him. And, and it might not even be one in terms of winning the backup job. It's just, he's a competitor out there and yeah. and doing something like that in a, in a highly competitive moment where everyone on the sideline is like, all right, let's, let's set the tone for the season. Let's, let's, you know, we, we've been practicing two minutes. We've been practicing four minutes. Let's just, let's give the home team a, something to cheer about and, and make them feel confident going to the forward. And then like mistake after mistake after mistake. And it's just like, Oh, and you have to see, you have to see him sitting in the locker room as guys don't know how to even approach him. It, I think it, it's it, easy it, enough it, just it, have a little I, I know people don't like blah because of the mistakes, but like, Ryan, it's it's easy enough. Just have like that iota of agony. He's not going out there trying to suck. Like, yeah. I think anyone in his position is trying their damnedest. And sometimes that's something all humans can relate to. Is sometimes you're trying your hardest and sometimes it's just not good enough in a moment. And it sucks. It sucks. And they it just it's it's a basic it's a basic unit of empathy to at least say like, yeah, I recognize that that does suck. That's why I think hard knocks is doing a really good job contextualizing a lot of this. And I think they achieved that in a couple of ways with David Blau one, obviously, you know, sharing the story of his wife, um, Melissa Gonzalez and, and, and her, her running in the Olympic trials and all that stuff like that. You, you can see the passion and you can see the emotion that he has as she's running. 
Um, and then there, I, that did such a good job to set the table for that moment when it's slow-mo and everybody's piling on the football that David Blau fumbled. You can see David Blau's like hand move up to his face mask and he like grips his face mask mm-hmm. so tightly because he knows how big he just literally dropped the ball. And that just sets off the rest of, you know, him in the locker room, as you said, by himself. Dan Skipper doesn't know what to do, really. I mean, Evan Brown comes up to him like it's just really tough. And you see that moment between him and his wife afterwards where she's like, you know, I'm proud of you. And he's just like, yeah, he, he can't fucking, hear it. Yeah. He's it's like, the, no, it's, I messed up. It's the, the toughest did the hard in, part. Just got to finish. Like, it's he, honestly, it's the toughest position in sports quarterback. It's the thing we demand the most from. It is the thing that we, that is like, if, if it was so easy, we would absolutely have 32 quality quarterbacks in the NFL playing it. And we don't. We don't have that. And certainly we don't have any good, you know, backups being able to play it. It's a, it's a position that we demand a lot from and failure is not tolerated at any moment for a quarterback. And I think Blau kind of knew that when he was going out there and yeah, yeah, it just, it hurts to see Uh final thing. Ragnall fishing there. Well, there's, there's one more scene. Yeah. That I wanted. No, to talk no, about. I, I've got, I've got one more too. I just okay. thought, I remember it. It might be the same. Well, one I don't too. like there, there, there wasn't much with that Ragnow scene. No, right? it, was, like, it was, it was a, a nice. I thought it was a nice transition to go yeah, right. It was on yes. the the river. I just yeah. thought we were going to spend a little bit more time there. I mean, it's fun to hear him say he'd rather pancake Aaron Donald than than catch a big fish. Speaking but, of which, I'm pretty sure Frank Ragnow dropped a video today, uh, <laughs> Tuesday, going fishing with Jared Goff, which nice. uh, no coincidence whatsoever there. Uh, it, but Frank's best quote was at the end of the show. Yes, post yes, credits, this right? is where but I wanted talking, to go too. Yeah. yeah. Where he's talking to Hank Fraley's son. Yeah. And he's like ballsy son, by the way. Oh Dude, yeah. That, that sure. kid had no, that kid had no fear out there. <laughs> None whatsoever. To stand up because nobody else is taking a knee. Right. <laughs> uh, but what, what exactly Frank essentially said something like you're like your trash talk sucks. Trash talk sucks. Dude, your trash talk sucks. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that was great. The way he delivered it was just like so matter of fact. Like it almost was kind of like, dude, annoying kid. Yeah. I am glad. I am glad we got the shot of Fraley's son. Did, did we ever learn his name in this episode? I don't think we ever got I, one. Just I think they said Bo at the very beginning, but I, I don't. We'll have to go. We'll, we'll go and check the sure. tape. We'll go and check the yeah. audio tape on that. But um, I'm glad for all of the trash he talked. And even though the players are giving it right back to him. I am glad we got the scene of him just bombing out on the blocking slide <laughs> because that right. at least that at least like reaffirmed that 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 this kid is just a nerd out there which, just which, talking trash. Which came ten seconds after him being like, "Hey, if we win the Super Bowl, do I get a <laughs> ring?" <laughs> right. Hey, you're gonna have to talk to Coach Campbell on that one. Yeah, we'll make you the jester. Um, the, the last scene that I want to talk about, and, and you guys can fill in with, with any ones that you want to talk about after, um, we, we finally got a little bit more of Aaron Glenn, um, which I don't think it was him at his best, but I still think it was a pretty effective speech that he gave in front of the crowd, just saying like, hey, Jonah Jackson, you came from Ohio State, y'all almost won a national championship. Hey, Michael Brockers, y'all went to the national championship undefeated at LSU. Remember that feeling every Saturday where you just knew you were going to destroy the opponents? That's what we're doing here. That's what we need to do here. We got to bring that feeling back here. 
And that's, I mean, just, just imagining that as a fan, just like, I, I can't remember the last time I felt that confident in this team going into a Sunday, right. Where I'm just like, Oh, they'll win this game. When's the last time you had that feeling that, that very simple feeling of, Oh, the Lions will win this one and not questioning it at all. Cause it's been at least a decade for me. Like, I, I don't even know if I felt that way in 2014 with that team. I was going to say, I've been editing on paper now for seven seasons, and I don't think that there's ever been an on paper that I've ever read from Jeremy where he was like, yeah, the Lions got this one in the bag, right? <laughs> nope. Nope. I, I think it's what they want to do. I think it's what every team would like to do. It obviously doesn't exist in the NFL on a practical level, but you at least want to feel it, right? You want to feel it, but getting to that mountaintop is a hell of a climb, and it would make Dan Campbell one of the best coaches of all time if he got the Lions all the way up there. But uh, we could tell even from the end of the episode is going to Indianapolis. So is Jeremy. Jeremy, you're going to Indy. I am. I'm leaving in about six hours from right now. <laughs> well, we will not keep you too long. We're going to continue a little bit on stream, but I think that's going to do it for the podcast side of things. Sure. So uh, for myself, for Jeremy Reisman, for Ryan Matthews, I guess this has been Talking Knots. I guess what we're calling it. Hope you guys have the chance to watch the episode if you haven't already. Hope that our international friends get to watch it as soon as they can. We'll see you back here for the next podcast when that comes up. We'll see you star side. <laughs>